It's happened. A big disaster has hit your area. It could have been a hurricane. It could have been a flood. It could have been riots. It could have been an earthquake. Something bad and widespread was coming your way. You were prepared. You and your family grabbed your bug-out bags. You got in your bug-out vehicles. You even remembered to uh, pack along the uh, case of important documents, like Paranoid Prepper had uh, warned you to prepare. You had spare gas. You had spare cash. You had your routes mapped out that would avoid the big traffic. You got out of Dodge. You got out of Dodge early. I mean, you were you were one of the first because yep. you saw this thing coming. And there's no sense in being there when this big whatever it was hit. <clears throat> you did the wise thing, and you were prepared, and you were out. Every box on the prepper checklist is checked off. Good job. You're not worried. For the next few days, you got food, you got shelter, you got your clean water. Everything around you is a great big mess, but you and your family are doing okay because you were prepared. That's right. You're listening to what's going on on the radio as you're driving 500 miles north of the disaster area. You're going up to see your uh, relatives in their shared, you know, you have a kind of a deal with them. So you've got that covered. Yeah. You're, you're, you're short, set. In the short term, you're looking great. <clears throat> but then you start thinking about it. Your place of business just got trashed. You're not going to have employment for another several months. Uh, your home. Might have been destroyed. Yeah, you've got insurance, but it's going to take a long time to get all that sorted out and to get rebuilding. And there's going to be expenses that insurance doesn't cover. What are you going to do a month from now, two months from now, three months from now about the car payments, the house payments, the student loan payments, the credit card payments? What are you going to do? When you've got all this debt pressing down on your head and the emergency has disrupted your ability to fulfill the commitments you made when you bought all that stuff. It's not your fault. You had everything planned for. But now the disaster has stepped in the way and those companies you owe the money to, they're not going to be forgiving. They'll extract every pound of flesh from you they can to keep their own bottom line in the green. Your house may not be destroyed, but it may be half destroyed. And you may not get the full benefit of your insurance. Your insurance company may themselves be suffering financial problems and being very picky about what they're going to pay. You know, was this an act of God? If this was, for example, let's say you were, uh, there was big, earthquake tremors and you wanted to get out before the big one hit and you did and that big one flattened your house did you have earthquake insurance because it's separate from other kinds of insurance you got run over by a, a, a massive tsunami after an earthquake you got out of dodge but does your house insurance cover that maybe maybe not what's the government going to do for you how are they going what are your credit card companies what are their policies towards uh disaster forgiveness 
You know, how forgiving is your bank going to be on that mortgage? That's a problem. How are you even going to get a hold of that bank if it's a local bank and they're underwater? It's a good question. All these are good questions. I reminded of a house in Hawaii when we were visiting there. There were flows of lava that overran a subdivision. Just, yeah, every, just, just every road was blocked. Every entrance and exit was blocked by big 20, 30 foot high lava flows. And they're hot and they're still flowing and you're, you know, the downside of a volcano. And by some miracle, one person's house was left completely <clears throat> untouched in that subdivision. They had not an iota of damage. And that was the single biggest disaster that could have happened to that homeowner. Because his insurance His insurance wouldn't pay. They looked it. at the house and said, your house looks fine. We don't owe you a thing. But there was no longer water or sewer or electric to the house, no, plant, no roads to the house, no plans to replace any of that. Because it was in, a, in an active volcano zone. Yeah. So the guy ended up, he had to live in the house because it's all he had and he owed money on it and he couldn't do anything else. So he so ended up having he to... He carried water in twenty in a big bucket, not 20-gallon buckets. That would be way too heavy. Five-gallon buckets. Five-gallon buckets. Over yeah. a lava flow. And I don't know if you ever walked over a lava flow, even if it's pohoyoy. Which is it's, the smooth stuff. But yeah, even if it's pohoyoy, it's still rugged as heck. Yeah. And, you know, well, okay, here's a hint. Don't build south or downhill of Kilauea. First rule. Yeah. Firm rule. Kilauea has been erupting, like, forever, so don't build there. And be careful on any other. If you're going to build on the Big Island, if you really have to build on the Big Island, don't build on Hualalai. It's still active. Don't build on Mauna Loa or Mauna Kea. Go up to the very first, first uh, the very northernmost, build in Kohala, if you have to, because you're probably not going to get hit by a lava flow if you build on the side of Kohala. And I use that word probably. <laughs> Loihi, right out. <laughs> anyway. Loihi's sorry. still underwater, guys. For those yeah, who, sorry. It's a little. Who, who aren't geology geeks about Hawaii. Uh, the point is this. That even if you are prepared to deal with a disaster, they can be really, really expensive. And we're introducing here a new series we're going to be running at 3BY on how to deal with that end of prepping. The, the part of prepping that is going to be, or that is most often overlooked but is critical, is debt management and debt elimination. Because... The more debt you have, the less options you have, the less prepared you can be. Now, if you have a ton of debt and the world as we know it comes to an end, it'll end up not mattering. Okay, I'll buy that. But you're much more likely to have a hurricane. You're much more likely to have an earthquake. That tornado is much more likely to hit you. Or a job loss. Or a job loss, or an illness that that requires you to not be able to, to not work for a long time, or a family member that needs to be taken care of, or a yada yada yada. Prepping disaster or disasters come one to a customer, 
And that's one thing you have to keep remembering. And then they're come as you are. I love these expressions. One to a customer and come as you are because that's how you're going to find it. You're not probably going to have a chance to be specifically prepared for something you see coming months or years away. Those aren't the ones that will get you. It's the ones that just, here they are. Disaster, go. Here's what not having debt gives you in a financial crisis. Flexibility. You are not obliged to provide huge chunks of money to a bunch of debtors or suffer very serious, very negative consequences. So you have options, and that gives you the time to rework your life to be able to deal with the financial problems that have come to you. So, you know, there's there's also different kinds of debt, even though it's all, I I think all debt is bad. A lot of people disagree with me on that, but there's different kinds of debt, too. There's debt for appreciating assets assets, and a debt for depreciating assets. Pretty much the only debt for an appreciating asset is in as long as you're in a part of the country that real estate does actually appreciate, real estate. Like, for example, your house. When you get into real estate, well. Yes, when you get into it, right. But. A lot of times when people think they're getting into it well, it's because they see how much prices have been going up lately and they want to jump on the bandwagon. Right, and we all know doesn't end up so well. How many people were destroyed by the last big real estate bubble? Yeah, it was just it was hideous. So you know, we're talking about you know having house debt and having a mortgage payment is one thing, but owing money on your couch. Owing money because you had to have that fancy version of the refrigerator instead of just the $500 model that'll keep your food cold. Owing money on the 72-inch plasma. One of my favorites is I needed a car that was reliable, oh, reliable so I went yeah. out and bought a new one. Yeah. Well, and you lost 25% of its value the minute you drove it off the lot, and you're carrying a note that owes more money than you could sell the car for today. And you're taking it back to the dadgum dealer every month or two for the recalls of all the stuff they need to fix on it. You know, they're no new cars are no more reliable than a good used car. They're just not. Because a good used car, one that has a lot of life left in it, and I'm not talking about a used car that you buy with 279,000 miles on it, I'm talking about a used car that you buy, you know, with a relative low mileage on it, relatively new model year. Like, I I recently bought a car. Um, My car had uh, 39,000 miles on it. Uh, It was a couple years old. And it's every bit as reliable as the new car. But it was less than half the price of a new car. In two years, it was less than half the price of a car. And it's just like driving a new car. Does it make our neighbors jealous? No. no. Not at all. No, no, I don't care. But <clears throat> what we have is the freedom to consider uh, changing our lifestyles drastically and being able to afford to do that because we don't owe a lot of debt. We can – every little thing that goes wrong is not a giant disaster. It's an inconvenience. It's an annoyance. Yeah, but well, it's not a disaster because we have the means to deal with it in the short term. No, we made a commitment about uh, almost 20 years ago to, to live debt-free, and we do. We don't have debt. We're not into debt. Debt is not our thing. 
Uh, we have sinking funds where we save up money ahead of time, and we're going to talk about that. We're not going to we're not going to get into this stuff too much in this particular introductory podcast. But you know, we'll talk a little bit about that in the future. But you can easily manage it in today's society. And you know, we're going to talk about a lot of different things as far as how debt relates to prepping. And uh, I'm not going to, we're not going to, we, we, we agree we're not going to really go into many details in this particular podcast because we don't want to, you know, just shoot our whole works here, or, you know, shoot the whole fireworks show at once. We want to actually take one thing at a time and give it the uh, attention it deserves. But we're trying to give you pencil. some ideas on things like what you, how you can balance Prepping, which some aspects of it do take money, how you balance prepping with reducing debt, right? And how you manage the the funding and things for ongoing, right? How you manage your wants and desires for today with your long term goals. That's part of it too. And there's one key point to all of this. I want to keep coming back to over and over again. This is a key point that I think is critical, the one critical takeaway from this podcast, this article that's going to accompany us. This is the the super-duper one key thing to remember. Reducing consumer debt is prepping. You are prepping when you are reducing your debt. That is a prep. It's an important prep. It's a vital prep. If you're going the wrong way on the consumer debt, if you're getting further and further and further into debt, you are making yourself vulnerable. If you are going the right way, which you're cutting down the consumer debt, paying those credit cards down, paying them off, getting them knocked out, you are prepping by doing that. You are preparing for bad situations by having resources available to you that you do not have now. And if you can knock the payments down, you can increase the amount of money that you spend on real preps. You don't see the thing that, that that's hard for people to understand is you don't have to do without all the fancy toys that you want. If you live debt free, you don't have to do it. You in fact get more. It just you have to be able to pay for it first. When you get to this can I afford it thing, the whole can I afford it in our society today is completely wrong. Can I afford it today means can I handle the payments? Where in reality, can I afford it should mean is there enough money in my wallet to pay for it? You may have noticed if you listen to these podcasts much that Salty and I are on the road quite a lot. We are. We're on the road all the time. We love to travel. We do. It's traveling's our thing. And we don't have to give that up. No. Because we can do it pay as you go because we don't owe the work we're doing to a whole bunch of people for stuff we used in the past. Yeah. And you know, and they're just like, well, you know, there's so many. I'm just going to give you a quick example. Talk about travel. I'm going to give you a quick example. Some people will say, well, I need a new car because I have to go see my mom once a year in in Mississippi, and I need something reliable. My answer to that is go to Enterprise or Avis or somewhere and rent a car for a week. 
It's a lot cheaper than buying, than making, you know, $4,000 worth of car payments, pay them 300 bucks for a week. Huh, that's a pretty good trade. And the key part of it is if you buy this car and you have trouble and you're in Mississippi, you have car trouble in Mississippi. Have fun with that. You're going to have to trust a Mississippi dealer. Not anything wrong with Mississippi, but you're you're not from there. You're going to have to trust somebody to treat you right. Some random guy. Some random guy. You have some to random dealership. Pick off the yeah, and a then you have no list. you have no choice. You have no power. Like here, I mean, right here in my little hometown, in a county of less than five thousand people, I have six or seven options to get a car repaired. If you're broke down, you get hauled to the to some dealer. You're you're going for the air ride. If it's a rental car, you call the company and say, "Hey, but you know your stupid car broke down. Let's uh, bring me another one." Yep, not your problem. Not your problem. Now we will give you another piece of rent. This is my one aside. Everybody gets an aside. This is my one aside. If the you are renting a car, if you are renting a car. As much as I hate to say it, as much as I hate to do it, buy their dumb insurance. Your insurance says it covers rental cars. Your credit card says it covers rental cards. Read all the fine print, and there's a lot of serious expenses that it does not cover. There's something called loss of use. There's something where called. Where you get charged for the rental while they fix the rental. And that is covered. And if they can't sell it for as much because it was in an accident, you get to pay the difference. Yeah, and that can be five, $6,000 out of your pocket paying for their car. Don't risk it. <clears throat> There's many, many, many ways of getting a better price on a rental car. Um, if you are lucky enough to live in a place that has more than one rental agency, you can use them against each other, get their best prices. But renting a car is much cheaper. We drive to Florida every year, every other year. I'm not doing that in my car. No, we're going we're gonna to put the 4,000 miles on their car. In a week, for three hundred bucks, absolutely. And it's a much more relaxing vacation, knowing that if some jerk hits us, not our problem. Then, yeah, somebody else will take care of the car. Yeah, we'll, we'll get another car and go home. And besides, as we all know, there's nothing. <laughs> you you think these big monster truck four wheel drives are no? A rental car can go anywhere. A rental car with full insurance is the most indestructible thing on the planet. They can go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we still try and bring them back pristine. We do, but it, it is be, peace of mind, and that's part of, of that's part of what you're buying. Yeah, that's part of what you. That's a big chunk of what you're trading for when you go debt free. Is peace of mind, loss of worry, knowing that a big part of any disaster is already handled. If it's a major health disaster, you still have to deal with the health disaster. But you're not worried about the medical bills putting you into bankruptcy. We've been there, done that. And I can tell you I was very glad that at least that part of the story was not weighing on my mind. To be clear, we've been there, done that on the medical bills, not the bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The serious medical thing. You still have to worry about, oh, getting the treatments. And taking the treatments and surgeries. Have, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, we didn't blah, blah. have to worry about paying for the treatments, which would have sunk us financially if we had not been prepared. Right. But we are.
And, you know, we're not going to, this isn't, the, I'm not doing an insurance show. So we're not going to really sit here and talk about this stuff. But insurance is, is an important part of prepping. Um, unless the world ends, insurance is a big deal. Why don't we make that a sub? Yeah, we'll make that a sub post. Yeah. yeah. And I hate that. I don't a member of the series. Talk, talk about it, but it's true. Um, but, you know, people don't think that, oh, I can pile up all this zillions of dollars worth of debt because the world's about to end and I won't have to pay it back. Don't think that. Everybody who's thought that who lived before us was wrong. So there's that. There's that. And uh, we're going to just leave that at that and go from there. So are we good? We're good. All right. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening.